Live and Learn with us in season three. We are still talking about how we live and learn, how we adapt to change, how we are curious about mentalities, how we learn languages. What is Live and Learn for you? On this podcast, we also talk about uh, how we live and learn, hence the name. We are lifelong learners and uh, continue learning something new every day, every week, every month, every year. It's like a nonstop project. Actually, you can never stop learning. Once you started and uh, got inspired and felt this uh, taste for learning, and that I believe happens as soon as you're born. As a baby, you want to reach out for new objects, to know more about this life. Later, you want to know more about yourself. Then you get to know that there are new countries, new cultures, new people, and you want to be able to communicate with them. Therefore, you learn a new language and you want to know about uh, a new culture. And that's a never-ending process. That's true. This is exactly why we call ourselves a Growth Mindset Podcast. Because we're not only talking about learning experience, but also we're sharing our own teaching experience, our own personal classroom cases in teaching individually, in teaching groups, uh, in teaching online, offline, blended learning, hybrid learning, everything's there. We also focus on specific skills, soft skills, 21st century skills, and we have the episodes covering the growth mindset, resilience, self-awareness, all the competencies, all the character traits that can help a growth mindsetter to enjoy the life better. Do you know what I learned yesterday? It, it was such a uh, discovery. So we were having breakfast yesterday. There was a jar of honey on the table and my husband asked, what is it written here in the jar? What does it mean, Rabinian honey? And um, I said, well, this is the way uh, people call here acacia, which is akatsia in, in Russian, Ukrainian and everywhere. And we started, to started thinking, why, why Rabinia, if you have acacia, like why do we have two different names for it? So we started Googling and trying to understand what is the derivative of the uh, uh, Rabinian which is actually uh, not a German word. It, it is an old German, but it is, it comes, uh, acacia comes from uh, old Greek. And you have two different pronunciations, akakia and acacia for the same word. One is ecclesiastic, one is the uh, traditional. Basically, the word acacia comes from the word a if I remember correctly, which means the angle, point, a pin. So the acacia are known for very nasty pins. And basically what we get to know that the word acute, like acute angle or acute pain, comes from the very same word. So acacia and acute 
are the um, one stem derivatives. And another thing that but where does Rubinia come from? We have a very, very old word for it. In French court, there was in 1601, something like that, there was the gardener who was called Jean-Pierre Robin. I don't remember his name, but his surname was Robin. And he introduced Keisha to the European courts to their European uh, kings uh, to become a part of the uh, gardens and he got his name so it was named after him so it's not Latin it's not Greek it's just after the French surname so we have the word Rubinia uh, in German to, to call the, uh, uh, the the honey the honey made out of Rubinia so in this case we started learning okay acute, acute, and then I, I actually remembered that when we make uh, mathematics or geometry in English, there is this acute uh, as the uh, name of the um, pointed angle. I try to understand like, ah, uh, is this ac ac accent? Oh no, accent doesn't come from that because it is it comes from ac and canto, uh, the same way like sin along. With us, so accentuate or to make an accent comes from the scene alone and the cantor, canzone, uh, cantare, lasciatemi cantare. This is the same cant, the same stem. Uh, so it, it doesn't have anything to do with the acute or acus uh, from, from the Greek. And then I started to think, oh, maybe accurate. Because you have this ac accurate, and we just googled it, and it doesn't come from from the same thing because it comes from curare, which means to care. So accurate that means taken with care. So accuracy that means careful. So accurate and careful in the in the end are the total synonyms and uh, full full synonyms, right? So yeah, it, it was such a fun uh, having a breakfast topic full of linguistics, full of uh, derivatology, full of etymology. So it all just started with a jar of uh, of honey. How do you spend your mornings? <laughs> How do you, when do you have your minute of philology, minute of linguistics? These are two different questions. How do I spend my mornings? Everybody on this podcast knows that I go jogging. And uh, it might coincide with moments of philology if uh, I listen to some linguistic podcast or if just some idea comes to me. While you were uh, talking about the word uh, accent, and uh, do you know in Italian, accanto actually means nearby. And uh, it's fun to know that it comes from singing with someone. Fantastic. Uh, so these minutes of philology accompany my life at any moment, like they do accompany yours, I believe, in any moment. It's nice to find yourself doing something like derivatives, etymology, sort of things like this while you're having breakfast. At the same time, uh, it can come just at any moment when you say a word, when uh, you pass by something and you see a word uh, written 
on uh, a notice or you just hear a word and it sounds familiar, but no, it does not mean that. Uh, and you get to know that it means something different. It's great fun. I believe we're nerds considering this and uh, maybe someone would be surprised. Like, are you serious? Do you find it interesting? It's boring getting into the history of words. Why wouldn't you just talk using the language? Why do you want to analyze where words come from? But no, it's so much fun. I love it. This is how we live and learn. I remember we, in one of the previous uh, discussions, we said that it's fun to find the origin of words or even create them uh, by ourselves. Like it doesn't really matter if they are right or wrong, but the very habit of trying to understand and trying to create a hypothesis is already a meaningful uh, scientific method, right? So you see, so the first, the, the first step is to observe and to find something that is specific or peculiar, something that stands out and try to understand what it could be the reason, what could be the origin, what could be the um, the effect of this. And so, for example, just like as I said, well, the word accurate and acute only seem to be derived from the same uh, stem. But just because I didn't stop on the word acute and kept on thinking, okay, what else could be there? What else could be uh, from that? That is already the scientific method of thinking. The next level is trying to understand where your hypothesis is true or not, which is the evaluation level, and uh, trying to understand and to refer to the sources. So we had the etymological um, dictionary. To, un- to find out and to understand that Rabinia d- doesn't at all refer to the word, so it's just a name, uh, the surname. Yeah, how we are supposed to know that if we do not apply scientific method to find out? And if we don't have a growth mindset, if we don't, if we stop at uh, our first uh, hypothesis and never go on to search more to find out more we then lack this enjoyment of finding out if we just stop then i was thinking about uh, whether and uh, how do we find this interest into getting uh, to the origins of things it's so interesting it's like uh, um, this is a thing that also helps us learn languages faster if we are attentive to how words are connected, how they are interrelated. It helps us uh, understand how language works better and learn faster. This is something I uh, use very often in my lessons when I comment on a word uh, giving a derivative or saying what other word uh, looks similar. And uh, I try to be accurate with this using real um, etymology and not just a popular one because it's important to create this uh, area of interconnected words so that students find something they can find uh, fundamentals in so that they can remember words better and it also creates uh, 
more interest to the language and uh, better understanding of how things work. I really think that um, the early exposure to a couple of languages gives us a lot of natural possibility to explore those uh, overlaps or to explore those common things, to find similarities, to find differences, which is again the scientific method of thinking. So when we try to analyze and compare, the first thing we need to spot out uh, the thing, right? So to observe and spot out what might be of interest. And then just try to dig deeper, try to, to understand what is what are the elements, what are the similarities, contrasts, causes, effects, and so on. And then, well, suddenly uh, you can find those um, connections not only in language. Oh, I found an interesting connection in um, my early morning Hebrew lesson when uh, the teacher asked me what I was going to do. I didn't know the construction, but uh, translated into English, it was uh, word by word, what uh, you go do later during the weekend. So this go and do help you understand that it's the same as what are you going to do or is the same as French uh, for the future. And it just works. Having the basis of other languages that have the same uh, structure, what are you going to do? Helped me not stick at that point and not learn the structure as if it was new because it was not absolutely new. So you can just uh, transfer the skill of uh, another language or of other languages to the new one, which uh, might uh, bring us to discussing how transferable skills can be used and maybe how can they be learned and which of them should be learned and which of them should be somehow taken into the consideration what we're going to learn for the future to get prepared. To give a bit of uh, background here, what are transferable skills? How would you define them? I normally, as I already said, start with the word skill skill something that is uh, possible to learn to improve and to master transferable skills is something that you already have learned improved and mastered in one field and you are able to apply this in another field so for example just as we are trying to describe how curious we are about finding out the words and um, etymology if you are as curious to find out what was the reason in any other uh, domain so what was the reason why the person was late what was the reason why somebody answered you this so this is already communication if you are describing the project management so if you're trying if you're having the skill of trying to dig down, analyze, and uh, find similarities, connections, that would be already a transferable skill. A lot of my students ask, uh, what, what can they write in their CV if they have never worked anywhere? They're just students. And they say, like, how do you 
expect us to have any skills if we are just students? And the answer is like, seriously, you have been learning, improving and mastering the skills since what age of three, maybe. So maybe you have already improved some of them. You are already good at something. Let's see. Have you done any uh, sports? Have you been going to, into sports? Oh, yeah, I did gymnastics. Oh, yeah, I did chess. Let's analyze what kind of skills do you have there? Let's analyze what kind of skills does chess bring you. Hello. <laughs> Let's analyze what kind of uh, skills does a team game bring you. How you're supposed to, to argument and justify that you are a team member and uh, a team player if you are not able to find the connection between playing in a team sport and transferring everything you learned how the leader is seen, how the team is seen, how the mistake is seen, uh, how you support, how you get supported, uh, what's your KPI in collaboration, so on. This is such a huge topic. I remember once I had a, um, a group of 25 people who were studying front-end development and I was teaching them their soft skills so we were writing the CV and trying to understand what can be there and one uh, um, uh, handsome young man on the first uh, row asked me okay everybody's so experienced here there are people of 35 40 years of age who are changing their career it's easy for them to write the skills what can I do what can I write and then I'm asking him the very same question. Uh, have you been into sports? And he says, yeah. So which sports? What, what can you try and understand? Well, I'm into basketball. Okay, so do you know, you know how to compete? You know how to become a team member? What you achieved? Maybe contests, contests maybe championships. Does it matter? Well, that depends which level did you go to. And he says, well, uh, I'm twice a national champion in basketball. I seriously got the goosebumps at this moment. And when people uh, are at 18 years of age, nat national champions twice of a country of 50 million people, that is an achievement already by 18 years of age. This is already like who, if not him, can explain what does it mean to be a team player? What does it mean to see the goal and reach the goal? What does it mean to not reach the goal and then still come up and uh, go in further, having the greed, the perseverance, uh, seeing the goal, going to the goal, supporting everybody? I already want to hire you, but you need to be able to explain this. You need to be able to see what skills do you have behind you and present them. Another funny example here, uh, even earlier than being 18 years of age or three years of age, when you start uh, doing something and uh, having your first achievements, uh, the funny example was brought by Lenny Ravitch, for whom we once uh, cited on our uh, podcast. 
when he works uh, as a psychotherapist with groups, uh, people come uh, depressed, worried, anxious. He invites someone to stand in front of the group and uh, gives them a sticky note, puts on them with the phrase written, I won the sperm race. I, I already won the sperm race out of millions. I, you have already done this. This is the biggest achievement. Like think of all those who never arrived to that finish line. That was determining. That was the point to which somehow you arrived you're here to say that you're a loser. You are a winner. You were chosen to win. <laughs> changing this uh, perspective, changing the angle of your vision from I'm a loser, I haven't worked a day in my life, I cannot boast of uh, having some particular achievements in this area so I cannot be hired changing this perspective into a perspective, I'm already a winner. I've already achieved so much and won against so many other candidates that I am here in this point. I am me. That's again, the thing that we repeat very often, but this is the big truth behind uh, who you are who and what you can be or can become do you want to be and uh, being here in this point as you said a young professional because of all your previous experience as uh, a toddler you learned how to walk as a school child you learned how to learn you got your school diploma then you were a student, you worked in a team, you did projects together with others, you've got these uh, things, you've got these skills that you aren't even aware of. And this is the uh, thing where maybe coaching is needed, or just another perspective that uh, helps you realize and become aware of what you already can do. That becomes a huge problem for employability. Because this becomes a skill that uh, the students sometimes are not taught. So we have the uh, employability course in one of the universities I teach for. And this is called 21st century skills, semicolon, employability. It is already a uh, university course. Okay, maybe not all the universities have it in the curriculum. But uh, when we had the introductory class, I um, asked there were around 35 students from all over the world, and I already mentioned that. I ask, what do you expect from this? Like, let's see where the expectations are so that you at least know, I know what you expect, and I make it clear what should be expected from, from this course so that we have our satisfaction level <laughs> guaranteed. There were some students who are straight after the school, and there are students who uh, have already been to college, who have already uh, worked a couple of years, and who have already 
for example, volunteered in a in a couple of projects for a charity or something like this. And now they come to the uh, business administration university course. Uh, what I heard from them is that after the school or after the university, uh, they feel lost at trying to find a job because they studied so many uh, disciplines and they don't know how to advertise or promote or uh, present themselves in this way. Well, not to present, hi, my name is Yulia, I come from Dnipro. Well, this is not a presentation, this is kind of labeling. Uh, how to present yourself adequately to the each to, to each situations where you're in, that becomes a problem somehow. And they said that um, among their uh, expectations is as well to be able to pass the interview, to be able to, to go through the uh, hiring process. So they already know that employability is a problem. And what happens in five years time when, uh, for example, the World Economic Forum uh, has just published the October report, mid-October it was released. So you can go to uh, wef.org maybe, and we'll, we'll get the link, I guess. Uh, they just published that the future of jobs is not as bright. <laughs> hey, brace up, <laughs> buckle up. 50% of the jobs are already taken by 2022. By 2025, which is the time when all the students get their bachelor's degree, the portfolio of the jobs, they call it clusters, the job clusters, uh, will already be changing. They will already change the, the, the skill sets, the requirements, the necessary, as they call it, literacies competencies and character traits. So the same World Economic Forum published uh, that they have defined the foundational literacies. And it's not only the ability to learn to read and write. That's the scientific method is number three. And this is not about the physics or chemistry or biology, but more applying the scientific method into whatever you're doing but also digital literacy, cultural literacy, and civic. Finally, we come to the point that civic literacy is something that is so important to teach at schools. Because like when you get your voting right, you exercise your voting right. And if you have no idea what is the civic uh, fundamentals, how society works, that's a question. Um, another of my students who we were talking uh, about the same chart uh, of this, I asked like where each of these literacies uh, were taught in their schools. And they said, okay, this is literature, this is history, this is uh, science, and this is ICT. And now we come to the competencies, and this is collaboration, communication, cooperation, and so on. So this is how we are able to apply the literacies to make it work together. And I asked students which subject or where in school did they learn it? And I have like 15 people in the group 
they are the education management students who they are that is their profession to manage that education works and they are just looking at this great great and just saying oh we didn't have such a, a subject oh we didn't learn or here in in germany not a lot of focus is put on learning to cooperate and communicate as much as to the science literacy and so on and yeah but the question where do you get those competencies if this is something that is a absolutely necessary prerequisites to get a job like you guys are 18 20 25 years of age so it's time to start putting a lot of effort into now making it happen it was difficult to elicit from that from them where they get communication skills where they get cooperation skills where they get intercultural communication they just uh, are not aware which means that they were not taught to see the value of these competencies during the school years because when i ask them did you have some kind of project yes of course did you have team work yes of course did did you uh, have to create i don't know a project a journal an article something like this together as a team yes of course so yes they have this they were taught what they were not taught is to appreciate which competency they are mastering and uh, this is something that i i really want to address in one of the upcoming conferences is that as we're doing communication and teaching communication within the language courses or within the uh, communication course it's super important to have the label on each unit or uh, the feedback or within like the learning objectives to make clear that students understand that today we're improving or will be improving or have improved collaboration skills, communication, which communication skills. I've got a question here. When you ask your students whether they had uh, a subject at school, at college, that taught them these skills. Do you believe it's necessary to have a separate subject or is it enough to just bring uh, the awareness of learning these skills in all the other subjects? You can learn critical thinking in your English literature class. You can learn collaboration in your PE lessons and so on. But should awareness be brought or should another subject be introduced to the curriculum? I think this is a question of how we are uh, making clear what exactly are we learning. Because separate subject wouldn't work because you cannot have a class on cooperation. Okay, you can have a class on intercultural communication, but but not necessarily at the same time. Yeah, if you take your course in an international university and anyway you have the experience of uh, doing a project together with people from other countries, other languages, other cultures, other backgrounds, 
just be aware that you are learning and practicing these skills at the same time. So the specific point that I was trying to make is that when we're doing a case study or when we're doing a project, so project-oriented teaching has been around for what, for another 15 years now, 20? And suddenly people understand what the project is, what are the phases, how to delegate, how to share responsibility. So we're already teaching this in class and schools in whatever in whatever uh, subject. But my point was that we need to make sure that the clear understanding what we've learned today from the literacy point, facts, ideas, uh, matrix, models, what we learned, how we learned to apply it through critical thinking, through collaboration, cooperation, so on, that as well should have a prominent and clear learning objective, learning goal, and become a part of the feedback of every course. So maybe an estimation, maybe a feedback, maybe some kind of plus two points to collaboration skills. <laughs> so for example, uh, I don't know, presenting skills. And then like to make a grid of what communication is and then having, for example, 15 different skills within communications and okay, today I had plus five in presentation, plus two in com collaboration, plus three, uh, I don't know, something like this. It can, it can already start from uh, the primary school when we had those little stars put in our <laughs> notes, but um, that's important to understand. That's important to be pra to praise it. I just really wonder why people don't get aware of these things. Why should these uh, issues first come to the what was it World Economic Forum in order to bring the awareness of how important it is? I just imagine if uh, we take an example of a simple lesson where you learn to read or to analyze information or to describe uh, a chart, whatever, you have a lesson focused on this skill. In the end of the lesson, aren't you aware of what you've been doing? This is something that surprises me and still people don't often realize what they have been doing. And um, the same about language classes, when a student uh, leaves the classroom or uh, turns the uh, computer off and somebody asks them, so how was your lesson? Oh, it was wonderful. We chatted for 40 minutes or for 60 minutes and if someone asks a teacher, how was the class? And the teacher says, oh, horrible. We were struggling through the passive constructions. It's all the different vision of what uh, both had been doing in the lesson. And still, there could be more layers to what they uh, were doing in the lesson, to what they achieved. But the vision is different. So do you think it should be underlined 
by a teacher or should it be put on um, a lesson plan or should it be pronounced clearly by a student? Like, what have you done? What have you achieved? Exactly all of that <laughs> together. That's my idea because I can see um, what happens when people are 20 years of age and they don't understand it. They don't realize what they learned at school. Oh, we just were in school. Finally, it's over. Mm, have you heard of significant learning uh, idea by Fink? That if you do not put your interest and uh, application and you do not have this uh, specific attitude that your learning is just not as valued. If you have this idea, oh, we, okay, finally it's over. There is something missing in, in the uh, learning process. And I believe that this is as well a meta-learning skills. And here we come again to the understanding and bringing to the understanding of the teacher what we're practicing and of the students what we're practicing. Therefore, in the unit or in the page or in the chapter, whatever we're studying should be like clearly put so that even a teacher who's, who is in the first or second year understands that they're not teaching the passive constructions only, but they collaborate, communicate, and so on, so on, so on, so on. If not, then how this awareness should appear. And again, uh, the, um, the understanding that, the meta-learning understanding that in order to make clear feedback, you can go to the Kirkpatrick model of the feedback, right? So when you have the uh, um, emotion affect, then you have the learning. Did the learning appear? Did the learning actually happen? And then the outcomes and um, I think the result. Yeah, so how can I, what is the result of my learning? There is the whole matrix of this Kirkpatrick model, how to give the uh, feedback, but it cannot be applied if you don't know what was the learning goal. So basically putting this competencies both into the learning objective written in the teacher's notes, in the uh, books and so on, yes, it will take another line in your no notebook or textbook, but then you understand what is that. And then when you're asking, what did you learn? What did you achieve? Where do you need more? Uh, help? Where do you need more assistance? Where do you need more to, to read more about it or to practice more? You really need to understand what to practice. Yeah, that's, that's my vision. This is something that I'm thinking and formulating for the uh, international uh, conference upcoming on business English. Um, a business English conference, the BSIC, which is online this year, and I'm already trying to formulate this idea. So thank you for the opportunity to formulate it. You mentioned uh, transferable skills for employability. So if we move from uh, a child perspective to the student perspective, and then further on from the student perspective to an employed person's perspective, 
how do these skills transfer if they do? Or should a person be aware of uh, taking the same skills uh, with them further on to their career? Here is the couple of the perspectives how we can look at this question. And the first is understanding the matter. What, what, what is the question? So what, what am I taking? Where am I taking? Why am I taking this? Uh, so that would be the the diagnostics. What uh, does my skills skill set constitute? What are my uh, weaknesses, strengths, and so on? And all the other weird questions that HR HRs are asking. But in them, this they are not. They are not weird. If you don't know what constitutes your like where you're stronger, where you're more articulate, or where did you put more effort? If you cannot pronounce clearly, then who can? Uh, did we mention all the uh, transferable skills or do we need to say anything else? Yeah, we have uh, just discussed the uh, the core, the foundational core literacies, right? We have uh, discussed the competencies like problem solving, critical thinking, creativity, communication, collaboration, and we can maybe highlight a little bit the character qualities, where which like students or candidates or all of us, hello, even us, we, we do need this to, to practice and to improve. How we can approach the changing environment, the uh, new upcoming disruptions and challenges. So, and this would be the number one is curiosity. And we have uh, already discussed the curiosity as being the necessary point of uh, efficient learning and uh, we have discussed that every kid is curious up until the moment when uh, this curiosity is not praised or is suppressed you need to behave as one of 25 people in in the group and instead of improving your curiosity improving the order in the group silence in the class and you know all those horrible things from from 30 years ago and still 30 years ago there were already the so-called innovative teachers but well innovative back then in the 1980s one of whom said uh, all the problems of uh, school education come with a teacher who starts answering the questions kids haven't yet asked that to me is um, a perfect example of curiosity as the key compo component of education. Provoke the uh, interest, the curiosity, make them ask the questions. If it's on your curriculum, like two plus two, two plus three, even very simple things, 
organize the environment as a teacher in such a way that uh, your young learners are curious about why it works like that. Wait for them to ask a question, then answer it. Don't answer the question before it's asked. It's upside down. It's interesting that um, here comes the eliciting techniques in the end, right? So trying to give a part of information and a part of it missing so that there is this curiosity, there is this interest. And it's so easy to create curiosity for different phenomena for the world around, how it works uh, with young learners, as well as with uh, university students, as well as with uh, lifelong learners. Curiosity is so natural that, uh, I don't know, suppression is uh, really suppression. I don't know, evil. Suppression causes oppression. And depression. And depression. Yeah, so then apart from curiosity, initiative. And again, this is something that can be easily suppressed and something that sh should be praised instead of suppressed, I guess. Uh, then the next one is grit. And um, I recently asked a lot of like a class of my students what grit is. And I saw a little bit of fear. How come grit comes within this beautiful bubblegummy concepts that we were discussing so far? Uh, and I uh, got to know that uh, this word has negative and aggressive connotations in German. Having grit means that you are just grabbing everything and just like, maybe I just cannot, uh, I don't know the word, but what my students explained me, I just ask why you have here such a uh, weird <laughs> uh, connotations. Like I can see that there is something weird that you feel. And they said they told me that, for example, a um, a dog can be great, or like when it gets grabs and gets it. But in English, I don't know. We we don't have such a uh, negative and aggressive uh, connotation for this word. We have assertiveness. Uh, as well, we have here the word persistence. And in the same line, we have the word greed. But in them, those are very, very different uh, notions. Like persistence, that means that you keep on and you do not give up. Assertiveness, that means stability somehow, right? But in the word persistence, you have the dynamic. In the word assertiveness, it's more stability and more. But in the word greed, you just like grab and get to the result. No? Yeah. So basically, those three notions come through slash in this document. Okay. Has such a different uh, understanding and meaning. Yeah, adaptability and leadership would, be, would seem obvious and uh, necessary. But do I actually say... Can, can students say, where in class do we learn adaptability? Where in class do we learn initiative? Where do we 
Hmm. Um, I have a simple answer to this question. When the teacher asks uh, who wants to share their ideas first, here's where you practice both initiative and adaptability. Leadership. <laughs> and leadership. Yeah, but initiative is not only to respond first, but also to initiate something not in response. Yeah, so like to initiate, that means that I start first. So for example, I don't know, initiate uh, a project. I think here as well, what teachers can do is try to give a range of the tasks that a group can do or a range of the possibilities. So not only like do a poster about that and that, but try to communicate. You can try and see which are the different ways to do uh, the communication of your project to the audience, for example. And then what you can initiate, or oh, we can do this, or maybe we should do this, maybe we can try that, or our team can try this. That already would be a very good learning experience of the initiative. Mm -hmm. Or for example, as, as you said, okay, can I not write the report? Can I can I can I make a podcast maybe that would be already the initiative and the last one is the social and cultural awareness and with the 21st century coming up that gets more and more acute to accentuate <laughs> and sing along and sing along yeah there could be the whole episode about each and every of this uh competencies each and every of these um, character qualities and seriously I'm looking forward to discussing uh, the uh, the reports forum on jobs 2025 because it has so many insights it has so many things worth being reformulated pronounced all over again because they are so uh, well organized and so well presented. The question is, how do we apply it? So now it's our uh, time to uh, show the higher order thinking skills. How do we understand? How do we uh, comprehend? How we analyze? How do we synthesize and evaluate what can be done, improved and formulated? Meanwhile, live and learn. Learn to live. We're sharing our experiences in teaching, learning, understanding the skills, learning the skills, mastering them, and trying to understand which of the skills would be the most appropriate, necessary, and a magic wand to bring us to the future of jobs, to the future of uh, self-actualization and to the future where we have our own uh, vocation instead of a job place. Live and learn.